It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 807 on a Saturday morning, 74 degrees outside, hot afternoon ahead of us. Get your gardening done this morning. Word to the wise right there. 404-872-0750, the number for lawn and garden. Get your garden questions answered and be about your business. And our business right now is to give away the weekend prize pack. Ashley Frasca thinks of a number between 2 and 7 who figures out who, who will determine, I mean, who will win a pair of tickets to see Varakai, the Cirque du Soleil event, on Wednesday, July 29th at the Arena at Gwinnett Center. Four tickets to see Toby Keith in concert July 30th at Aaron's Amphitheater at Lakewood, produced by Live Nation, and a pair of tickets to see Kelly Clarkson. She's good in concert September 10th at Aaron's Amphitheater at Lakewood, again produced by Live Nation. Great tickets, great fun to go see them. Who wins, Ashley? Caller number three. All right, caller number three. You've got to call our contest line, which is 404-741-0750. 404-741-0750, the contest line, and your social event calendar will be filled up. Gloria is in Johns Creek, and she joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Gloria, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you? Uh, you know I am really, really good, Gloria. I'm in air conditioning. I intend to stay in air conditioning all day long. Well, so, I love your show. Thank you. So I, I want to know, we just had five huge Leland cypresses removed from our yard that bordered our side yard with our neighbor's yard. Yeah. They were killing our grass, and they encroached on our yard. And they were next to a row of holly that comes up our driveway. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a, was a continuation of a privacy hedge. And we want to replace them. The area is about 25 feet. We want some privacy, maybe 10, you know, 8 to 10 feet tall, low maintenance. We don't want to have to prune them every weekend or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. We like the look of the Leland, but they were just too big. So we're looking to ask you, you know, what kind of plants, what size, how many you'd recommend. So, so again, how tall them. How tall do you say you needed it? Probably like maybe 10 feet, maybe even t- up to 12. The Arborvitae. Arborvitae, I think, would be fine there. And there's one in particular called Emerald Green, which I will admit I have had a discussion with my landscaper friends about how big Emerald Green gets. Because okay. usually when I recommend it here on the radio show, I say it gets around 8, maybe 10 feet tall. And I have pictures sent to me by my friend Bruce Holliday said, hey, this Emerald Green, 20 feet tall. What do you think about that, Bubba? Oh, <laughs> In my observation is that emerald green still gets about 8 to 10 feet tall. I, Bruce's evidence to the contrary, you know? Can so, you, um, can you um, like, prune them so they stay 10 Yeah, feet? oh, yeah, all the evergreens. Even Leland Cypress can be pruned to stay whatever shape, size, height you like. Uh, over in Great Britain, gosh darn, they have Leland Cypresses everywhere, and they prune them into every boxy, roundy, you know, spire shape they care to do. It, it responds very well to being pruned. Okay, and when should we plant them? Not now. Okay. <laughs> you can do soil preparation, do other things to remove maybe the, the roots of the old Leland cypresses, but I would generally say that your evergreen trees get planted best in October in the early part of November. Okay, soil is still warm enough, but the air temperatures are cool enough that it doesn't have any stress on the root ball. So and how I many think, do you think oh, we would need? Say again? How many plants do you think we would need and what size? 
Let's see, if it were an arborvitae, I would plant arborvitae at about 8 foot to 10 foot centers, so 8 feet to 10 feet apart from each other. So you do the math, figure out how okay. many you need. All right. And when you said soil preparation, we've already had the roots removed. Oh, great. Okay, good. Um, the one good thing you can do for any plant, whether Leland cypress or a maple or an apple tree, loosen the soil in a wide area around the tree. Not the little twice as big as a root ball kind of thing, but I literally mean six or eight feet wide. The soil needs to be loose because that is where the roots are going to be spreading out over the next three or four years, and you want them to spread out quickly. And okay. the best way to make a, make a root of a tree happy is to give it some oxygen and loose soil to grow in. No amendments are particularly needed. All the research on tree planting says, you know, really they do just fine without any amendments. The big thing is loose, turned over soil with a mulch on top. Okay. And I did plant some Bermuda grass seed and put some turf builder down to where, you know, the grass was dead yeah. under those Lelands. Do you think that's going to take or are we going to have to sod? It depends a lot on how much moisture the seeds, Bermuda seeds, get when they're young, when they're little bitty sprouts that you can barely even see with your eyes. Uh -huh. If they're not kept moist most of the time, if they have a couple of days where somehow Gloria forgets to water, then they all dry up and die. So it's hard to predict whether, they're, whether they'll survive or not. Go out and look and see if you see these little bitty green sprouts coming up. And if you see them coming up, then you're home free. The Bermuda has, has germinated. Okay, and when you say keep them moist in the morning, afternoon, night? I think it's much better to fertilize or to water any lawn grass in the morning somewhere between 6 a.m., 10 a.m., something like that, so it has all day long to dry off. You don't want to have grass leaves wet overnight, so watering at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock at night is not good for grass because it stays damp all night long, and that leads to fungal problems. Okay. Well, we really enjoy your show, and I want to um, say a shout-out to my wonderful husband and his awesome family and parents <laughs> in Connecticut who are listening. Who's going to be digging those holes? That's who you need to make the shout-out to, Gloria. <laughs> Gary, you got to come home. Okay, well, thanks so much, Walter. You have a great weekend. You bet, Gloria. Okay. Thanks for calling. We've got Dawn talking about lawns. We've got Dawn and lawns. Dawn's in Sonoy and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Dawn, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How is that pretty downtown of Sonoy doing now? Oh, there's so much going on. It's a busy place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sonoy, <laughs> great little town, great resurrection from what it used to Full be 50 years ago when I was down that, that direction. <laughs> so what's, what's wrong with Zoysia Lawn? It is mostly brown, and we've, we've been struggling with it all summer. We, we fertilized it in the spring with a slow-release, high first-number fertilizer, great. and it never greened up. Wow. And I did a soil test, and everything came back fine. It doesn't seem to be lacking anything. Um, so we're getting ready to put another uh, uh, application of fertilizer, but I'm kind of hesitant until I know what, what might be wrong with it. Really? When was it planted? It's been in there for several years. My uh, gosh, 80% brown yeah. midsummer. Oh, man, uh, Dawn. <laughs> what causes zoysia to just conk out like that? Well, it doesn't seem to be a fungus. It's, it's evenly, that whatever's happening, happening is happening pretty evenly. Yeah. Wow. All and right. It gets plenty of sun. First, first advice, don't fertilize it. If it's brown, it's dead. In the middle of July, brown lawns are not going to recover unless there's some little bit of life down in the mm -hmm. crown of the plant. But if it's all brown, it's dead. No sense in wasting uh -huh. money on fertilizer. Mm -hmm. But boy, oh boy, do I wish I knew what would cause zoysia to be 80% brown by July when it was established and was green and looked good last year. 
I mean, cold damage does not particularly, in my experience, ever affect um, zoysia. You don't get any any damage from cold temperatures. D- has anybody offered a guess, Dawn, what's wrong I, with it? I took a picture of the lawn to Pike, and he suggested it, it could potentially be a fungus, but yeah. we bought um, um, something for that. But here again, I'm hesitant to put that on there. Now, the soil test came back with high calcium, high magnesium, mm-hmm. and high zinc. Uh, it, could that be any problem? No, that's not going to hurt anything. Um, boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. The pH is good. pH is good. Everybody's happy. I mean, to be honest and truthful here, Don, you're probably looking at replacing the lawn. Ah. I don't think it's going to recover. Oh. Is this another shame. case where you and your husband are going to have a real fun time together? <laughs> <laughs> the family that lays side together stays together. That's what oh, I say. No. Or on the other hand, they might just split apart because one of them didn't lay fast enough for the other one, and they never see each other again. Oh, what a shame! Yeah, and it was at one time it was just beautiful and thick, and it just it just has de- it just declined over the last couple of years. Yeah, usually I get a hint of why things are happening because I can sort of observe as I drive around to places and sort of say, "Well, that soldier's not doing so well." Somebody will call me this Saturday about that problem, but when it's this far gone. I don't have a clue what would wipe zoysia out other than somebody mistakenly sprayed Roundup on it where, or you where know, one of those things. coming back, it looks good. And, and there are some patches where you know we, we raked it, really raked a lot of the dead stuff out. And yeah. in and, and, and those open places, it's, it, it's recovering in, in some spot. Mm-hmm. Tell you what, if you want to, Don, I don't know that I'll be able to see anything other than you've nicely described on the radio. But if you want to send a couple of three pictures to me at my website, down in the bottom right-hand corner, there's a Contact Walter button, and attach pictures to that, and I'll look at it. If I see anything, I'll give you a a guess, but I may not be able to see anything at all. Okay. Hmm, That's a lot. Let's find out. We'll keep our fingers crossed. Uh, maybe maybe we'll have a miracle. <laughs> the power of prayer. You Over. just never know. Okay. We'll see. Walter, thank you so much. Thanks for calling, Don. Bye-bye. It's 816. We've got time. I think if Doug's pretty quick, we can get with him. Doug, you're in Tyrone, Georgia, and you join us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, good morning, Doug. Hi, Walter. Thanks for taking my call. So real quick, what uh, can I do for you? So I've got, I've got some apple trees in the backyard. Uh, only one of them ever produces, and of course, that one this year now has lost uh, probably 30% of its leaves. It's real pale green, yeah. rust spots on the leaves. I don't know what's going on with it. The rust spots on the leaves are probably cedar apple rust. This is the time of year. I told Don just a minute ago about patterns. I drive around and I see patterns, and the pattern on apple trees in mid-July is cedar apple rust, and that will cause huge defoliation on apple trees. Apple farmers in North Georgia are always constantly trying to uh, uh, prevent cedar apple rust from getting on their trees. It is difficult to control. One of the only ways, or one only, but one of the few effective ways is cutting down every juniper tree within a quarter mile of your house, which you may not be able to do there in Tyrone. But that's the first thing, is cedar apple rust. Second thing, if it is just has, hasn't been cared for very well in the last two or three years, hadn't been fertilized, things like that, sometimes apple trees just take a turn for the worse and end of story. So consider fertilizing hmm. it if you have them for a while. That wouldn't hurt my feelings at all. Okay. Is there a specific kind of fertilizer for apple trees? You know, I would say just 10, 10, 10. Uh, go up to the trunk. If the trunk is about 8, 10 maybe inches in diameter, put 8 pints of 10, 10, 10 around the plant, scattering it way far out beyond the drip line, not close to the trunk, but beyond the drip line where all the feeder roots are, maybe 8 pints of uh, 
10, 10, 10, spread out way out there might help. Be sure you're watering the tree. It's got to have some water to, to wash that fertilizer into the soil, but that might help some, Doug. And you go to my website and just type apple into the search line, and you'll find out all the things that I've written about, including the cedar apple rust that I fear is what you have. It's 819 at News Talk WSB. You're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. <laughs> a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security Bottom Line. It's going to be hot this afternoon. Low to mid-90s and overnight in the upper 60s. And you get your full weekend forecast coming up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. Don't forget, tomorrow, Sunday, you pick up your copy of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. They have an investigation that uncovers 65 cases of citizens shot to death by police in domestic disputes. 65 folks who are arguing with their spouse shot dead by police. We'll figure that out and the AJC will cover it for you. How accountable are the police on this? How accountable is Scott Maxson for bringing in the meow, meow, meow song? Because what do we do during the breaks? We don't research questions that are about to come up. We listen to cat videos, watch cat videos, think about cats. <laughs> it's all Ashley. It's not me and Scott. It's Ashley, Ashley, Ashley in charge of the cat videos here. Julie is down in Jessup, Georgia and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Julie, good morning. Um, my problem is the, um, the tomato plants I have. I have six of them. I only got one tomato. It seems like the blossoms would either fall off yeah. or they would dry out. And I kept it watered and we had a lot of rain this summer. Will I be able to get any more? Now, I got one little tomato growing. Yeah, but down in Jessup, your biggest problem for pollination, that's, I think, what the basic cause of the lack of fruit is when yeah. it gets above 85 to 90 degrees, tomatoes yeah. just don't pollinate themselves very well. They get hot and sticky, and the humidity comes there, which you have plenty of in Jessup. Mm -hmm. And so the pollen doesn't get transferred, and yeah. the flowers fall off. All right. All right, so here's what you do. Get an electric cheap. You can get little cheap electric toothbrushes from drugstores and little battery-operated things, and just take them every morning. Go out to your tomato vines and go and just put a little vibration to the flower. Even on hot days, go out there in the morning, vibrate the flower. Maybe come back around three or four o'clock. Do it again. You'll get wonderful pollination of your tomatoes, and you should at least have a few tomatoes in just a couple of weeks. Okay, so I get electric toothbrush. Yep. All right, I'll and do put that. the head right on the little cluster of flowers, just a little short like that, and that vibrates the pollen loose so it pollinates correctly. That is the hint that I think uh, gets a lot of people to have some tomatoes, which when they used to have the flowers just uh, browning and falling off and no fruit or anything. Pollination is key, and it's really important to get it pollinated in hot weather. All right, I got to get out of here. It's 828 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 
It's 836 and 76 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. It'll be a hot one this afternoon, 91 degrees, Brad says. So look for that and get your gardening done now. And if you want to drop over to a pike nursery nearby, I bet you could find some people who would be really happy to see you and give you good advice as well. One of the best peoples for advice, Mickey Gazaway, of course. Mickey, good, good morning. Good morning. How are you? You know, I'm happy for air conditioning. Who is the name? Well, Thomas you know, it Carrier? Feels good. I was just out in the greenhouse just a minute ago, and it still feels good out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yet. Wait till 1 or 2 o'clock this oh, afternoon. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So get out and do your stuff early. Then. Yeah. So let's talk about what we got on sale for this weekend. The Pike they're, pick for the weekend. What's our pike pick? They're the little bitty, um, or itty bitties, they're called, or mini terrarium <laughs> plants. They're the small, little bitty terrarium little plants. Bitty, they're like itty two, and bitty, half, yeah. two and a half inches, something like that. They're real small. Um, and to do in the terrariums, and today we're having a terrarium class, and so um, you can go and learn how to put a terrarium together. I was at the uh, Miller Union restaurant. I went with a friend to celebrate a birthday, and Miller oh. Union restaurant over in the west side of Atlanta had this enormous, big, like 15 gallon, looked like uh, glass wow. jar, and they had a beautiful terrarium inside that right behind where we were sitting. And, they, and uh, terrariums are easy. I mean, they really are. I did one years and years ago, and I don't know what happened to it. And I, I had some. Uh, uh, pothos in it, uh-huh. or some, I don't know whether it's pothos or philodendron, one or the other. And the thing had gotten stuck in a closet for probably two or three years, right. and I pulled it out, and that stuff was still alive. And oh, it just amazed no. me because it was sealed up, yeah. and it didn't have to, nothing else was alive, but that was, it just amazed me that it could. It could do that. Terrarium is a great project for kids, too. If you oh, need yeah. something different yeah. for the kids to do, go get some of these itty-bitty plants from Pike, 20% off, and get a container there as well and bring it home. Say, kids, this afternoon while it's hot outside, let's make a little terrarium. It'll be That's fun. Right. That's right. They're good, too. I most house plants are cat food at my house, and the cats can't get into that, so that's a good thing, too. One of the things that I learned not so long ago was that the history of terrariums started with a guy named, it was a Reverend Ward, and he... They were transporting the... Yeah, transplanting yeah, those trees from Europe over to the Americas, and he put them in a glass case, the Wardian case, and that was sort of the beginning, I guess, of what terrariums uh, became as they, in the Victorian era, they had more terrarium stuff in the Wardian case and that sort of thing. But terrariums can be really pretty, have little little beach scenes and like oh, the yeah. fairy garden class. They'll be so pretty and cute to see. Oh, yeah, that's right. So you need to come and learn how to do them. And, of course, that starts 9 o'clock this morning, that's everybody. Right. So if you're going to go, head out right now. Yeah, and next week we're going to have a houseplant one. So if anybody wants to be really successful with your houseplant, yeah. you need to come in next week, too. And Ashley typed something on the screen here. It says, ask Mickey about her bees. So what about your bees? Have oh, you had honey? I collected my honey. I was late doing it this year, but I collected my honey, and I got like 40 pounds of honey. Good. Got a lot of honey this week. How many hives do you have? I just have one. Wow. And this is just, I mean, they have worked hard, and we didn't think we were going to get anything. Right. And I left plenty for them for the winter, and uh, we got a bunch of honey. And, of course, we got honey from one end of the – you're not supposed to do it in the house, but we always do it in the kitchen. Yeah. We got that exclude or whatever you call it, the thing that turns around and um we had honey from winning the, <laughs> the extractor i believe is the extractor, word we're looking for right. yeah yeah my dad of course my dad was a beekeeper and we had the extractor not in the kitchen but right next to the kitchen and every surface around that extractor was <laughs> sticky 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 oh i know it's on all of our doorknobs there. but anyway that's fun but we've got plenty of pollinators and and you know we've got we've got 
I got lots of flowers. Yeah, so you do. Is, and Pike Nursery has even more. And right. if you want to go by Pike and buy your flowers, buy your houseplants, and it buy your itty bitty terrarium plants, today's the day to do it. Mickey, it's great talking to you. If we wanted to find the nearest location of Pike Nursery, where would we go? At pikenursery.com. I think it's a great thing. Thanks for calling, Mickey. We'll see you soon. Thanks so much. Bye. 404-872-0750, the number for Lawn and Garden. George is out in Grayson and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, George. Good morning. Good morning. What Um, you got? I just moved to a new house in Grayson, and I've been spraying my own house for bugs for years, Mm -hmm. but I've got ants. And the bug spray that you buy, like at you know the big box stores, doesn't seem to have an effect on it. They're even crawling on my car when I come oh, out to my car. Big black man. ants and little baby ants in the house. Yeah, you know, for the truth of it, George, I think that baits do a much better job than sprays. I think the sprays they kill what's there. You know, you see them usually if they crawl around a few more minutes, then they stop and they're dead. That's the end of the story. And so it makes you feel good that your spray killed the ant, but then there's hundreds and maybe thousands more in a nest somewhere nearby, and uh, they didn't get sprayed, and they're coming back in the house tomorrow, and George is out there with a sprayer again. So I think the ant baits are what you ought to explore. The little syringes things that you can uh, put a squirt of it on a piece of aluminum foil and put that underneath the front seat of your car, and the ants that are there hopefully will discover it and uh, and go eat it and die. And in the house, you can put a little squirt in the corners where you know the, the ants might be found. And I just like baits a lot more than I like the surface sprays, the aerosol surface sprays. Okay, great. Thanks very much. Yeah, I think that'll work better. Let me know. Call me back in a couple of weeks and see if that works for you, George. I will. All right, good. Can okay, I'll bye-bye. Talk to you then. It's 842. we got Billy in Canton, Georgia. Hey, Billy, good morning. Hey, Walter. How you doing? What you got? Um, I called you a while back with some problems. I had thrips on my flowers, and I did all the stuff you told me to do, and I'm worried that that may be what's causing this weird disease I'm seeing on my coneflowers and see? on my black-eyed Susans. Yeah. Um, it's I got purple splotches on my leaves, right. and the flowers are green, and they've got secondary growth out of the heads. I know exactly what you have. It's called aster yellows. It's a disease common on uh, coneflower and shasta daisy. They're kin to each other, so they get the same diseases. And aster yellows does exactly what you're describing. You have a flower, and then a little more little secondary flowers that come up out of the cone or out of the uh, rosette in the middle of a shasta daisy. And yeah. sad to say, it is one of those diseases, Billy, that is no spray or anything controls it. You have to dig the plants out and discard them. All right. End now, I've got, I've got two or three beds that have the same, and they've got all all the beds that have black-eyed Susans or yeah. coneflowers have it. So should, is it like any kind of like sterilizing of the soil I should do or just dig the plant you No, know, it's actually transmitted by mites. So my bet is that if you were to dig up all of the plants that are affected and discard them right now, I would leave mm-hmm. the bed open and not plant anything in it until it's fall and planting season for pansies and things like that. They're not affected by the aster yellows at all. And... I'm sort of an experimental guy. I would plant the coneflowers and chasta daisy back in the same place next uh, spring, early summer, and just see if they get it. You know what it looks like, and if they get it, you know what to do. But that's what I would do. I'd plant it with something that's not in the coneflower family for the fall, and then next spring plant it again and just see what happens. Okay. All right.
we're curious people. We always like to see what happens, or at least I do. <laughs> I want to see what happens if I do this thing. If you want to see some more pictures, maybe an explanation that's more in-depth, you can go to my website and type in Aster, A-S-T-E-R, Aster Yellows. That's the disease. Okay. All right. Thanks for calling, Bailey. Thank you, sir. 44 minutes past the hour gives Eric his turn. Eric's out of Stone Mountain. Hey, Eric, good morning. Good morning to you, Walter. What you got? I have um, I'm got a project. I'm working on a Bermuda lawn. Um, I guess um, it's, I guess a year, maybe it's been sided. Yeah. And um, I did a starter fertilizer, I guess, a couple of months ago. Okay. And stuff. So I'm about trying to put some fertilizer out today. I'm trying to green it up a little more, get get it grow a little bit better. Sure, um, sure, sure, sure. So I'm wondering, should I go with a starter or um, maybe um, a Scott Max or something yeah, when, like when that? When did you say it was planted originally, Eric? Um, I would say with it, I guess the, maybe the last fall. Yeah, no, starter fertilizer is no longer necessary. Just get a regular lawn fertilizer and put that down. There's no reason to to skimp on fertilizer. Bermuda's a heavy feeder, and now's the time to put it in. Okay, okay, I guess that'll take do the trick for it then. Yeah. Okay. Water it in. Don't forget, it's always important to, after you put fertilizer down, to water it in so it's down to the root system and, and doesn't get washed off by rain, things like that. But water it in real good or do the fertilization before it does rain. If it's going to uh, be predicted to rain, then you could do it the afternoon beforehand and get all that done. But uh, water it in real good. Okay, today. Is it going to rain today? No. <laughs> Kirk, Kirk and Brad say, nah, 20% chance. I mean, you might get that 20% chance in Stone Mountain, Eric, but mostly okay. 20% for somebody somewhere in Atlanta. Okay, I'm not be in that group, huh? <laughs> I don't think so. I'm probably not going to be in that group either. Thanks for calling, Eric. We'll see you Thank soon. You. All right, bye-bye. Jeff and McDonough joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Jeff, let's go real quick here. Oh, good morning, Walter. I'm doing so far so uh, good. Okay. Yes, sir. The problem, what I've got is I have a sago palm bush that I that had did not survive the winter a couple of years ago. Yeah. And so it actually died to the point where I guess it pulled up out of the out of the ground and then pulled the wood. Well, one day I was cut the grass and then I noticed a piece of it was starting to come back. I'll be done. So I took it off and repotted it yeah. and it survived so, so far. I was just wondering what kind of uh, fertilizer could I use to help it? Uh, not a lot. Sago palms don't feed very heavily, unlike the Bermuda we were just talking about. So, you know, one of the water-soluble things, Miracle-Gros or Peters or one of those water-soluble fertilizers right. would work fine. But, the, I mean, you know now, Jeff, you know what happens when cold weather comes on sago palms. A lot of times they're not going to be happy and they die. I'm surprised that this little piece got started growing again. But, hey, luck sometimes follows follows people when they don't expect it. So that's good. It's great. I, I tell you, I call it Son of Sago. <laughs> son of Sago. Right. Well, I think the Son of Sago needs a little, a little feeding right now. So, again, water-soluble fertilizer will be fine. Thank you, Thank you very much, Walter. Great talking to you, Jeff. Thanks for calling us. 848 yeah. at News Talk WSB. You're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. 
And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Bottom line, partly cloudy all day, 20% chance of brief isolated showers. Highs in the low 90s and overnight highs in the or lows, I should say, in the high 60s. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Grayson is so proud. Jennifer gets on the line last person in. Hey, Jennifer, good morning. Um, Good morning, Walter. I have some tomato plants that have overgrown their cages. Yeah. And I'm just concerned. I want to prop them up somehow, and I didn't know if I just need to go buy more cages and kind of prop those limbs up. But I thought, ooh, I'll call Walter and see what his (laughs) recommendation is. Oddly enough, earlier this week, I was driving. It was pretty fast. It's not a place I could turn around and take a picture of it. But I saw a guy with the same, or a woman maybe, with the same problem that you have. And it looked like what they had done was cut limbs out of an oak tree. And the limbs were not very big. They were an inch in diameter, maybe, and they were about 10, 12, maybe feet long. And they just laid them up against the, uh, the trellis or the cage they had the tomatoes in so that the twiggy part was uppermost. So they had two or three, I guess, that laid it to make a teepee there. And the tomatoes looked like they were perfectly happy growing into the twigs of these branches that had been laid on the on the cage. So it was ugly. I want to say that, Jennifer. It was ugly, but it worked fine. As long as you got something to hold the limbs of the tomato up in the air, then you know, let your let your creativity flow. Awesome. Thank you so much. Maybe a ladder. I saw another guy one day that took a, <laughs> took a ladder, <clears throat> aluminum ladder, and put it over his cage, and they were crawling all over the top of the aluminum ladder. So many, many things can be done, Jen. Thank you so much. Thanks for calling. Mm-hmm. One more thing you can do with tomatoes, if they're a little bit tall, it's not a bad thing to cut off the tips. You can do that, or you can let it grow enough so that it curls around, and you can sort of put it lower on the cage, or let it grow up through the middle of the cage again, trellising and... You know, growing tomatoes and keeping them under control and not be so tall is one of the things that creativity really should really should be something you use to to get them out of the air. It's been a great Saturday morning. I have had a fine time today. If you have uh, any interest in hearing garden tips during the week, you can join me on my Facebook page, Georgia Gardener Facebook page, by the way. And you can follow me on Twitter as well. I try to repeat everything that I do on Facebook, on Twitter, at Walter Reeves. And if you want to join either one of them quickly, go to my website, WalterReeves.com. Click on the F for the Facebook and the T for the Twitter, and that'll sign you up real quickly. Sign up for my email newsletter. That comes out every two weeks. I have a new issue coming out this coming Thursday, and we'll have some good information there about gardening. Ashley Frasca keeps us informed with all the cat videos. Every Saturday morning, we get a new cat video, and Ashley's in charge of that. That makes Scott and me laugh hysterically every time we see him. And Scott Maxim, pretty white, pretty fly for a white guy. That was a great choice. We were talking about white flies earlier this morning. I appreciate Scott's musical knowledge and influence here. If you didn't get your question answered, go to WalterReeves.com. Otherwise, I'll see you right here next Saturday morning for another edition of Lawn and Garden.